I just first have to greet the fathers and the congregation and uh, wish you all a happy Father's Day. Uh, we have uh, not only our fathers locally sitting with us, our fathers and maybe our fathers' fathers, but present with us on days like this is all the, as the fathers who have passed away and I say now reside in heaven. And I think for many of us, uh, particularly, I was having a conversation with some of us. I, uh, as a retiree, I find myself thinking about my parents more and more. So for those of us who are older, I also uh, wish you a happy Father's Day for your fathers who are now not with you. Uh, it is interesting, today we're going to be combining, uh, 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 linking two uh, major events, Father's Day and Juneteenth. And uh, you might ask, and I certainly was asking in the sermon today because it's very important for me to be talking about both of them in a relational way and to find how an interconnectedness between the way we raise our children and the way we raise the children of those who are foreign to us, so to say, of a different race or a different ethnicity or a different lifestyle. And so I think it's a very important linkage, perhaps, to be looking at, at Juneteenth and Father's Day together. It's kind of a rare opportunity. But I, one of the, in thinking about my dad and thinking about my upbringing, I thought an image of, an open, uh, of a door opening. And when I was a young woman, about probably 18, I don't think that it didn't connect with me that I was because I was going to college, but it was an image where I was getting ready, in a way, to leave home. Now, college students don't, uh, and it, it's momentous, but you always come back home. You come back in six weeks, or your parents are there, so it's a different kind of presence. But it, it is a momentous moment, and I had this feeling that my dad had opened that door for me. And I also felt that that door had been opened with a great expectation that I was being sent out into a wonderful world. This is America. This is America. You are going out into this world where you have lots of opportunity where you can be yourself. I got that message in a very strong way. And the open door was a, a place where my parents didn't say, now you're going to have to go to law school or medical school, or you're gonna to have to be a teacher, or you're gonna to have to be a priest. The, they, they just so, in a way, because they didn't really say much about anything about that, they just opened the door. And they had this faith that when I went over the threshold, that I would be fulfilled in my life in some way. And I think it had a sense of my preparation to do that, but also their faith in the country and the place where I was going. See, I want to tell you a little story about my dad. Um, he, we grew up in, I grew up in a military, career military family. Uh, my dad was a high school dropout at 15 and he lied about his age and got into the army. Now he was a big strapping fellow, and also I think they were very lax in draft offices in that, those days because the draft officer, my father went with his brother, 
and their birthdays were six months apart in the calendar, and the draft officer sent them out on the street to talk to their daddy about their birth dates when they were born. So they, came, they realized they had to have 10 months or something. So they came back in with a change of date, and they were signed up in the Army. But, you know, he went on in a military career, but he was one of the way uh, our men experienced in the late 30s through the mid-40s, and then later in Korea, um, they went to war. And my dad's journey in war was from uh, Omaha Beach to Czechoslovakia. And my mother stayed at home and worked in a factory in Abilene, Texas, saved all of his salary. She worked with, she stayed home and helped support her parents. And when, when they came home, they started a family. And, uh, you know, so, and we moved everywhere and we had a great life. Um, someday when private conversation with Gekko, I'll also talk about it being kind of a strange life. But uh, my parents, uh, my father got his GED when I was about seven or eight and his college degree when I was uh, 10 or 11. And then he went stir crazy getting master's degrees for the rest of his life. But he insisted, you know, as this poor Texas guy, dropout, you know, got his GED when his children were well into high uh, grade school, that we were going to go to college. There was just no question. We didn't even talk about it. We were going to college. And my father and my mother were making enough money at that time that they could send us. And so there was so much faith in America. And my dad, though, also had this deep revulsion for racism against African Americans. He had fought alongside African Americans in World War II and became brothers with them. They, they held each other up together and when he came home, he could not tolerate the racism that was fully expressed, really fully expressed at, at that time. He had us sitting in front of the TV watching the uh, the news reports in Selma in every single way. So he fostered us in this life of the importance. And he always talked about this is the bigger America. He was so proud. He was at Boston University when Martin Luther King was there getting his PhD. And my dad would come home and just, you know, was in um, a state of grace. But we were raised that way. But it did not, he did not actually, um, I think, grapple in a larger sense with white privilege. It, it was more a structural thing that had to be knocked down. But that was his life throughout. And that's how he launched my sister and me. And I thank God that my father did that because I have a better life because of that. I have a broader experience in the world. I have friends of every race and every gender. I have a beautiful, a beautiful appreciation for what God has created among us. And I also have a great, a great appreciation for this country because I know that somehow or another, how dysfunctional we are in the structures that we live in that create dysfunction and, and terror and for others, that this is not a country that does not have a population of people that are not going to move forward. One of our biggest issues, I'd like to um, 
just say that I, I read before preaching the sermon, uh, Akua Saunders gave me this book, Realizing Beloved Community. It's a church publishing uh, publication. It's a 60-page report. It looks longer, but it's published in other languages. Uh, and it lays out a plan for uh, Episcopalians in, in, in particular to face up to the, the history of our own church and the, and the history of, of racism, in the, uh, perhaps, and, and for most of us, being, becoming wealthy on the, the backs of um, minorities and others, particularly uh, the wealth of the country was um, built on the backs of slaves, African-American slaves. So it's one thing after another, and that's why it's so important for us to engage with the Juneteenth celebration. President Biden made it a federal holiday. It's an important holiday for us. But like all things American, we have our beliefs about the way things should be but we're always necessarily struggling to be there. That's one of the reasons I love America, because we will struggle and struggle to get there. And I am actually calling all of us who are white in the congregation to also look at the privileges that we got just because of the color of our skin. I managed to walk out into the world really without expecting anybody to dislike me. I walked out into the world not afraid to drive my car anywhere. I never had any fear really at all except that whether or not I was doing the right thing. But that's not the experiences of our black brothers and sisters or our Latino brothers and sisters or other particular groups. Um, but it is not the, the experience and we still are countering, encountering that today. Um, the killings of, um, I, we started out in uh, our gospel today listing the uh, disciples. We named them, named one by one. And I would like to name the martyrs, the African-American martyrs, who have been killed by the police since 2014. And I would like us to, in a reverence of silence and prayer, to hold this young woman and these men, young men who were stepping out through the open door into the world to become who they could be, and their life was cut short. So let us bow our heads while I list their names. Eric Garner, Michael Brown, Tamir Rice, Eric Harris, Walter Scott, Freddie Gray, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, Stefan Clark, Botham Jean, Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, Dante Wright, and Patrick Laoya. On this Father's Day, I would like to hold these young people 
whose lives are tragically ended in a Jim Crow-like operation, I would like us to hold them so deeply in our hearts so that we can pledge, particularly as white people, that this will end. We will pledge in our hearts that we will examine ourselves and try to understand why the balance of power between the African Americans and the whites is still so deeply unbalanced. We can engage the church to inspire a whole wave. The church has always been active in, in freedom. Christ is about freedom. America is about freedom. But hold these martyrs in your heart as we hold the disciples in our heart and as we treasure our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ who walked into the world to heal all things, all people. I'd also like you to hold into your heart a wonderful Genesis story, it's the first creation story. And it was one where God said, let us, us, make humankind. It's the kind of thing where you turn around and you go, us. Is, he with, is God with somebody? No, God, God's just there. God was referring to God as us. And then he said, we will make our humankind ours. He referred, everything was our, them, they, us. That's the first creation story, chapter 1, verse, sorry, verse 26, go read it. It is the blueprint for God's wish and desire for all people. And it's a presumption to think that God favored white people because, after all, there is absolutely no discussion about color or hair or eye color or anything. It's humankind. Humankind. That's what God intended. Diversity is God's middle name. <laughs> and we have to remember that. And we have to own up, particularly we white people, have to own up into why the next balance of the struggle, the next wave of freedom making and opportunity and safety, safety. I want all children of color to walk into that open door feeling like I did. Like, I didn't worry about a thing, about, except am I going to get a B or an A or a C? Um, and what am I going to do with my life? That's what I worried about. I'd like to have all people have the life I have. And I'd like to, I'd really like you to read this book. Now, thank you, and happy Father's Day. And uh, I thank my father, uh, particularly as I uh, end for making me understand the life of them and they and ours, not me and I. Thank you. Amen.